The Tower, Episode 37, Titans TV Show Season 2, Episodes 9, 10, and 11. Hey everyone, this is your host, Peter. Changing things up for this episode of The Tower. Usually I cover one episode of the Titans TV show per podcast, but in an effort to complete season two, or should I say to be done with this season, I've decided to cover three episodes, episodes 9, 10, and 11, all in one podcast, because really, these three episodes are an odd tangent away from the Deathstroke Jericho story, and to do just one podcast per discussion, I don't know, I, I, I don't think I'd have enough to say, and I don't really want to dedicate a full podcast to each because it'll be the same repeated thoughts of what are these episodes? That probably means I'll also do 12 and 13, the final episodes, all in one, unless after viewing each I feel differently. If you've heard these episodes before, as I go through the Titans TV show, I'm, ass I'm assuming you're watching the show with me, so I'm not doing any kind of major synopsis along the way. But I'll give you some general thoughts for the three episodes. I understand the choice to focus back on the individual members after the last two episodes that were heavily focused on the Titans and Jericho and... and um, the Titans trying to get information from Jericho about Deathstroke. So this is the show's way to push characters and through lines and characterization, uh, I suppose, to the next level. But that meant that it all came across jumbled in many ways for me. It points out just how many storylines they are trying to juggle in this show and not in a way that reaches deeply. It's kind of a lot of surface uh, dialogue and, and surface character beats. Uh, I think, as I mentioned before, the interactions between the characters, the developments, a lot of times it's just making me like these characters less and less as we go on. And that's an awful reaction for someone who has such a fondness for this DC concept uh, that used to once hold the number one spot for DC Comics in the 80s. So that's kind of terrible. Um, so let's talk about the show, the uh, episodes. Episode 9 was entitled Atonement. Episode 10 was entitled Fallen. And episode 11 is EL underscore O, which uh, eventually we, we learn what that is. So I felt like episode 9 was equivalent to the famous Day in the Lives issue from New Teen Titans Volume 1, Issue 8, which I covered way back on The Tower, Episode 12. And that was an issue that after the first seven issues of Volume 1, they decided to focus on each of the members and give readers a little bit of a background uh, on what all the Titans were doing outside of their superhero identities. And this has a similar feel in that um, 
we are branching out and looking at all the individual characters based on their reactions to what has happened in the past two episodes. Now, had they used season two, episode one as the final episode for season one, Atonement, this episode nine, would have been episode eight. So that kind of would have matched issue number eight from way back in 1980, 1981, uh, which would have been a nice little bit of synchronicity, but no, they messed it up. Anyway, like New Teen Titans issue eight, as I mentioned, this is all the individual characters going off on their respective storylines after being told what what really went down between Robin, Deathstroke, and Jericho five years ago. Uh, Dick Grayson finally opens up not only to the young kids, but to his old teammates, and they are all not happy, and they all leave the tower because that's what this group always seems to do, right? When things don't go the way they like, they all just kind of scatter because they're not really a close group after all this time, and that's disappointing. So they scatter. Uh, most of the rest what follows happens in episode nine, although there's like one point that I'm going to talk about that happens in a later episode. Uh, I'll follow all of their storylines. We go to Corey and her betrothed or boyfriend or friend from Tamaran, who has popped up this season, um, has been imprisoned in her spaceship for all these episodes. <laughs> he finally returns, and they, they get into Blackfire, Starfire's sister, and how she has taken over the crown, and they need to do something about it. But eventually, Fide, that character's name, he gets taken over, Corey quickly realizes what's going on. She realizes that Blackfire is behind uh, his little brainwashing, and she kills him. Corey kills Fide and says, um, you see a hollow image of, of Blackfire. Apparently, Corey's parents are dead, although that could be false. And Blackfire strands Corey on Earth by blowing up Fide's spaceship. So she has no way to go to Tamaran. And that's ultimately where that storyline ends. We don't see anything more in any of the other episodes I've watched. So I have to assume they're going to hold off until episode, uh, season three to follow up on what's going on with Corey. And that's been going on since season one. And uh, I like to kind of map out this TV show the way the storylines fell during the volume one of the New Teen Titans series. So maybe all the Titans will head off into space, space which would be, would be kind of cool because it would make this show a little more about superheroes than just whatever they're giving us, but we'll wait and see. All right, Dawn and Hank leave the tower and wind up back in Wyoming, uh, trying to forget everything that happened, singing karaoke. Ooh, look, they're all human like the rest of us. I really don't like this couple. I don't like their storyline. I don't, I just don't care for them at all. So they get approached by the sister of the young kid that was killed by Dr. Light earlier in this season. And is that a story point? we were really looking for them to follow up on not really so the sister is is pissed and blames the couple of course which sends hank into a spiral and he leaves dawn again and goes off to a bar um i don't and i don't know is he looking for 
to fall back into drugs and alcohol or is something else going to go on? Basically, he's hitting bottom because that's what they do. They hit bottom. They regroup. They feel better. They hit bottom again. They depart from each other only to regroup again out of need or some other secret. And then they, it's just a, a cycle that I'm not I don't really care about. Um Gar is the only one that actually stays at the tower because Connor is still unconscious and Crypto is still there. Eventually, Connor wakes up, talks about his dark side and how he shouldn't really stay with the team. And then eventually they go and hit the town. And of course, the bad side of Connor comes out and he attacks some cops thinking that they were hurting um, a criminal or something like that. And and it all kind of gets out of hand and Gar runs away. He gets all freaked out and runs away. Even though he had a conversation earlier with Dick about, you know, they got to stay together and stick together, but he's the first one to sort of take off. So that'll follow through in another episode. Donna and Rachel have um, a weird story. Rachel runs away from Donna when they leave the tower together. I don't know why she went with Donna. Why wouldn't she go with Corey? Because that's the connection this show is making. But no, she goes with Donna. She runs off. She meets a troubled youth at a food kitchen. It kind of reminds me of the runaway story from New Teen Titans Volume 1, Issue 26 and 27. The youth has a dad that's a jerk. And Raven, Rachel, you know, she manages to save the youth from getting beat. But then we get this weird thing where Rachel's power separates from her and she doesn't know and it enters a stone gargoyle and then the gargoyle comes to life and kills the dad attacks the dad kills the dad so i mean we've been playing with this whole thing with rachel's power that it's kind of out of control but now it's really out of control which i assume is setting up yet again another storyline maybe with something to do with trigon but you know I guess we'll wait and see. And then the other storyline in episode nine, we have Dick Grayson. He goes and visits Jericho's mom. She says she only has pain for him. She's not going to accept his uh, apology. And again, remember, all of the stuff with Jericho happened five years ago. So then the mom says, if you really want forgiveness, you should go in the other room. And Deathstroke is there, seated. And he's saying things like, you know, I'm doing to you what you did to me. I'm destroying your family. Uh, he hasn't. He believes that Dick hasn't accepted his guilt uh, for possibly seducing Jericho for information or even getting Jericho killed and that Grayson should pay for his crime. You can see that Slade is kind of struggling. There's even a moment where he turns his back in the chair and says, wait, and there's something in his voice. There's something in his body and his mannerisms in his hands. So like I speculated last episode, it's kind of clear that Jericho is inside Dick Grayson. And we do find that out later. So then the episode ends with Dick going to the air, to an airport, booking travel, but then assaulting some cops. And I wrote here why, because he thinks he belongs in jail for everything that he did. But then I also wrote the way they all spread out and the way they all 
seemed to do what Deathstroke wanted them to do. I thought maybe this was like a setup. Maybe they were going to set Deathstroke up because they were all splitting, but no, that doesn't turn out that way because that would be too smart, right? That would mean teamwork. That would mean that they actually talk to each other. And in this show, they don't do any of that. So we didn't get anything from Rose uh, in this episode or Jason Todd. We still don't know how Rose and Jericho are related other than through Slade. And that's how episode nine ended. So then we go to episode 10, which is called Fallen. And yes, Dick winds up in, in, a, in a prison. And you get the sense, yes, this is what he wants. He wants penance for all of his lies and his actions and feels that being incarcerated is the key to this. Uh, of course, he has some trouble in the prison. One of the other guards recognizes or, or learns that he was a detective, so wants to try to get in with him so that he can use Dick for like information with the other inmates. Uh, Dick gets put into a prison cell with three Latin Lat, Latino men. Um, you think that they're gangsters, but they turn out that they were uh, arrested for uh, immigration, wrongfully in, in prison through immigration. And we see through one of the inmates that this is the way that Dick Grayson is going to eventually become Nightwing because um, one of the inmates talks to him about a mythical bird, a hero from his mythology called Alazul, uh, a being that lives between the moon and the stars. He's a great hero. Dick Grayson says, uh, oh, what, you, you need a a bird that comes in the night to save you. And the other guy says, yes, he's going to save us because they want to escape the prison. There's a lot of mythology and, and well, not a lot of mythology, but there's mythology, there's imagery. It feels very much kind of like what Bruce Wayne went through in Batman Begins or Dark Knight Rises, you know, like throwing himself into the middle of all of crime and, and into a place where his privilege can't save him and then he's going to come out of it. But this feels weirder. I, I don't know this. I mean, eventually Dick does help them. They try to escape. Dick helps them escape. But then he gets caught. Uh, eventually, you know, obviously it's the um, imagery of him being that bird that comes in the night to save them. I just sort of feel like, is that how we want the Nightwing thing to do to go? Like, it's not in honor of anybody except these people and their mythology, but it's really because he was at his lowest point and he's going to take on this mythological figure and this attitude that he can save people, but is he really doing anything for himself? Whereas in the books, it was he knew that he had to grow up and he had to be something different and he had to be his own person. And I guess maybe that's what we'll see here, but I don't know. This It's a weird way to get into the whole Nightwing thing, and it's a fast way, right? These three episodes are like, let's put all their characterizations um, in in speed mode so we can wrap up this season and then deal with everything next season, maybe? I don't know. The other story in this episode is we go back to Connor and Gar. They get caught by uh, Cadmus, by the character of Mercy Graves, Lex Luthor's assistant, and there's a conversation that Connor and Mercy have about, you know, his background and she manages to get him to go with her. Uh, apparently, Mercy knows about Gar's background with Niles Calder from the Doom Patrol. 
and it feels like she's going to do something to his powers and then maybe reunite him with the others and then she's going to have kind of like a mole or an insight into the Titans. Um, we do see Rachel and Donna in this episode and, and, and you know, this is where we see the gargoyle killing this dad. There's a lot of weird time jumps. The, the, the timing of all these scenes don't make sense. Like, how long does it take for Dick to assault someone in an airport and then wind up in prison prison just a few days like shouldn't there be in there a trial or something or i don't know it just seems like the storylines don't mesh time wise they they mesh in a way that makes sense uh fake time you know the, the way tv handles time but it feels odd it just feels really odd Okay, then we go to Titans episode 11. This is the one with the title that says EL-L. And of course, yes, that's exactly what they're doing with Gar. They're turning him into an... Uh, it's kind of like what they did on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. to uh, Agent Coulson and the whole Tahiti program where they're messing around with his brain and trying to uh, tap into the rage center of Gar. So they're clearly turning him into some kind of brainwashed thing. And by the end of the episode, that's what we see. He is seeing visions of Raven. And in this vision, he attacks Rachel and, and kills her. But in reality, he's, he has turned into a tiger and has assaulted a Cadmus scientist. And it's way gruesome and, and just weird. Like, where are they? The, these characters are props. They don't have their own story. Everything happens to them, but they rarely have things that they handle themselves. Or The storylines always seem to come from the outside in instead of the inside out, and I, I just don't get it. So um, you would hope that after doing all the stuff with his brain, maybe they would unlock a way for him to become other animals. I mean, he's been a tiger, he's been a snake, but that's it. Anyway, um... In this episode, Dick is in prison. He again starts to see visions of Bruce. And I guess this imagery is kind of like stand-in for Dick's training because the the, um, the vision of Bruce is trying to tell him what I said about um, Deathstroke a few in, in episode nine is that Jericho is in Deathstroke. He's trying to show him and bring it out in Dick that he should really be thinking about what all went down. But again, you have to remember that that whole thing with Jericho supposedly happened five years ago. So um, this is where the Dark Knight Rises stuff kind of kicked in because while he is fighting, while Dick is fighting this image of Bruce, he's, it looks like he's training in his cell and trying to shake off being in solitary and strengthening himself. And, and I think the Bruce Wayne image even says to him, Something like, you know, you got to be different, you got to be stronger, you got to be your own person. Of course, this is all going to meld into him becoming Nightwing. Um, Rachel is starting to have dreams about Dick's funeral at the hands of Deathstroke. So clearly a foreshadowing of death. I do know who dies. That was something that I just saw randomly in an article or something like that. I don't know how it actually happens, but one of the Titans does get killed by the end of this. Um... Donna goes back to the tower. She sees the attack left behind by Cadmus. 
And Corey is in Las Vegas because she is all mad because she can't leave this planet anymore. And all three of them, uh, oh, and then Dove, uh, Dawn, she is trying to finalize things with Hank. She's trying to throw away his stuff. She's trying to cut him from her life. We haven't seen Hank uh, since. Um, so she's driving and, and trying to be free. So all four of them, Rachel, Donna, Corey, and Dawn, all get some kind of notification to go to this diner called Elko, E-L-K-O. And we learn <laughs> that it was Bruce. Bruce Wayne has called them all together. He's been keeping tabs on them and managed to do this somehow. Starts talking about family and how when they, if they are family, they shouldn't give up on each other. And uh, and then leaves and they decide, yeah, we should do something. Now, what's interesting about their decision is only Corey and Rachel decide that they should go after Dick in prison. Whereas Dawn and Donna, who have been through, you know, his, his um, mood swings, I guess, uh, they they say no. They they're not going to go th- uh, to rescue Dick. I think they're going to go after Gar. And it's another moment where I was like, "Wow, these are really shitty friends." Like I don't like them as people because I understand their decision, but it just seems kind of weird. And um, after all these three episodes, for them to get back to the storyline again, going after Dick eventually. I assume the last two episodes are about Deathstroke. It just seems all very immediate. Now, I had a thought about that name, Elko Diner, E-L-K-O. It's kind of like an anagram or or a mix-up of the letters that make up Cole, K-O-L-E, which was a character in the Baxter run of the New Teen Titans, volume number two, that was uh, created to die in the crisis, the original Crisis on Infinite Earths. So, I don't know if that's if that was purposeful that they used the name Elko, but that's what I thought of anyway. Um, we do actually touch back with Rose and Jason who have gone to Gotham and they're kind of having a, a, a loose relationship, a complicated relationship. They don't want to reveal anything between them, but then they do. Jason takes Rose to a theater, a high school theater, where he was squatting as a kid before he was adopted or taken in by Bruce Wayne. And it turns out he's a theater kid and quotes West Side Story to her to try to appease her. And I don't know. Uh, I don't know if I appreciate that take on Jason Todd. Um, She tries, and then when he tries to get information from her, she doesn't give in. Um, and then later we find out uh, Donna tries to text Jason. Rose sees the text on his phone and deletes it. And then she makes a phone call and we we hear her talk to Slade. And she says, you know, whatever this game is that you have with the Titans, she wants out. And... So I, I said, okay, there it is. You know, I've been thinking for a while that she is the version of Tara, you know, the traitor in the midst uh, or the spy in the midst of this group. But it was a little, again, a little too immediate. You know, there was, why didn't they use other scenes in some of these episodes to show a little bit more 
uh, about the plan, whatever it is that Rose has been doing. Now, I've been saying for a while that it sounds like she's trying to get in with all of them. She's trying to learn little things about them, and she's kind of stirring up trouble. But then we never really got more of that from her before she decides to um, call it quits with Deathstroke. And why is she doing that? Just because her and Jason have made some kind of connection? You know, is that strong enough? Do we really care about Rose that much that finding out that she is with Deathstroke um, means something? You know, I don't feel that way about hardly any of the characters. So for her to say that she's out, does that mean that she's on their side? And I guess I just wanted to see her more in action with Slade against the Titans so that when she does make this turn, you're like, you, you root for her a little bit. But there's no, I don't root for her. I don't root for a lot of the characters in this show. And then I also wonder, is it, is she working with Deathstroke or is Jason making, uh, Jason, is Jericho making some of this happen? But she doesn't know, right? So, or maybe she's lying about being Deathstroke's daughter. I mean, at this point, the show could do anything. So I guess we'll see. It also was interesting to see the actor Ian Glenn in his role as Bruce Wayne when Bruce and Dick are fighting in Dick's mind to see Ian Glenn try to be very Batman-like, even though he was dressed as Bruce Wayne. Like, to see him um, go through some of the fight choreography and then when they would pull away with the long shots, you would see the stand-in, you know, the stunt person stand-in. But it was kind of interesting to see him, the demeanor that he would take on and, and the posing and some of the fight stances. Does it really work? I'm not sure. It felt like he could have looked or felt stronger. Um, I think I said in some of the earliest episodes and in some of his earliest appearances that he feels more like a late 70s, early 80s Batman, the, the Denny O'Neill, Neil Adams, or the Jim Aparo Batman, the one that feels a little older, uh, a little more uh, secure in who he is, the superhero Batman to a large degree. So um, does it work? Like I said, I don't know, maybe, maybe not. Eventually, Rachel and Corey break Dick out of jail, beating up guards along the way, because again, these aren't good people, but he's not there. He has left, and he wrote on the wall, Jericho is alive. And then, as I mentioned earlier, this episode ends with Gar's conditioning to kill Rachel or his fellow Titans members. I uh, assume the next two episodes are going to be about Deathstroke. There's so many loose threads going on here. Again, we talked about Corey and her battle with Blackfire. This stuff going on with Gar and Cadmus and Connor and Cadmus. All of that probably is going to happen in season three. What's going on with Raven? What's going on with... Um, you know, the, the growth of Dick Grayson into Nightwing. And then we have to have some kind of final confrontation, not only with Deathstroke, but with Rose, and then whatever they're going to reveal about Jericho. I, I just feel like this whole thing needs to, this whole show needs to find one focus, needs to find one story that they're really going to focus on, and then explore all the characters in that story, as opposed to all these mini side stories that... um I don't know, just kind of bring out the worst in a lot of these characters. 
Okay, I think that's enough for for this episode. Clearly, I'm going to watch the next two, the final two episodes in this season. I'm sure I'll have things to say about that. Uh, We're going to get to see Dick Grayson as Nightwing. We're going to get to see a confrontation with Deathstroke. Uh, There's a Titans member that dies, etc., etc. So... Uh, if you have been watching season two or you've already watched season two, by all means, send me an email, peter at thedailyrios.com or leave a comment on the website, thedailyrios.com. If you haven't been to the website, I've recently redesigned it, um, by, uh, using, you know, whatever WordPress has in all of their themes. A huge shout out to Philip Duncan, who, uh, was the... Uh, individual that helped me set it all up in the first place all those many years ago. So I just basically um, riffed on whatever it was that um, Philip used as a basis. But yeah, it's a whole new website now. Hopefully it's a little it's a little cleaner and it looks a little better on, on your phone. Um, but yeah, let me know what you thought about this uh, season and if you're excited about season three. Really, I'm looking forward to getting through this season, not only because the TV show is then over, but then I can get back to maybe some Titans comics. All right, this has been The Tower, episode 37, for Friday, November 20th. Talk to you soon. Bye.